Hey everyone, so this is what seems to be the second episode of uh, Mental Health in Tech. Uh, so this thing is actually becoming a thing now and it's starting to take off, which is scary. I, not to go on to too much of a tangent, but like uh, I, I actually thought I wanted to share this today and I think there's a lot of overlap is I heard someone, I spoke to someone this week and they said they started going to therapy and unfortunately they realized that it works because now it means I have to go back. And I think it's the same here. Like there's almost like there would have been a relief if it's like just completely bombed and people weren't interested. And it's like, ah, we gave it a good try. And like, there just isn't interest. But you know, like we've gotten a lot of really great feedback from the first episode. And it seems like now we have to do this thing, <laughs> which isn't fun, but here we are. So um, yeah, uh, as last time I am joined by Skalt Nietling. I'll maybe just introduce myself super quickly and then I'll allow him to introduce himself. And then uh, we are also joined by Liesel, who's going to speak uh, quite a bit about kind of the mental health side of hiring and working like with people in terms of operations of a company and so forth. Um, yeah, so actually on LinkedIn, uh, like actually I almost want to say put a tweet put a link or whatever you do on LinkedIn put a message um, where I said like like we're super interested in hearing a bit more about kind of the legal side of, of things and kind of the, the actual like internal organizational side of things in terms of how mental health is dealt with and, and so forth um, and this obviously varies from organization to organization, but it's, I, I feel it's something that's not spoken about enough, um, which is also something where the, the scope of what we're doing specifically in terms of the tech industry, I think there's a lot of interesting conversations there. But um, yeah, so let me just not continue from there because otherwise I'm going to do the entire talk myself. So... In terms of introduction of myself, so my name is Skalk Fenter. Um, I'm mostly a contractor. I work in the space of tech, um, do a lot of teaching, currently head, uh, academic head at a place called Codespace where we um, work with a lot of like students and so forth um, in terms of income share agreement models and so forth where you come and study and then... In, like once you graduate, um, you actually pay back uh, a certain percentage of that money as part of your salary that you get after becoming a developer, which I, I think is a very interesting model and um, which is why I joined um, Codespace. So that's kind of where most of my time is at the moment. And then I just do actual like contract product design and programming and development work. Uh, so that's where I'm finding myself at at the moment. Um, purely just in terms of my mental context and background. So yeah, I've been struggling with kind of mental things as long as I can remember. Currently on Zeitmel and what's the other one? Venlaw, sorry, Venlaw. Um, so yeah, I, I think last time I neglected to mention that. Um, and I think it's important to bring that to the conversation because I think not only does mental health itself need to be destigmatized, but I also think there's a massive stigma even within the mental health community around medication. So um, I maybe want to just put that out there and kind of own that. Um, but yeah, Skalt Nietling, I'm happy for you to kind of do a bit of an overview of who you are and why you are even here. Yeah, thanks, Skalk. Um, <clears throat> so, and I do agree um, on that lot topic about the medicine. Um, I think we're getting to a better point when it comes to asking and um, 
accepting help. Um, but I think the medication thing is still something people see as almost like a moral failure, which I do not quite understand. It's always the thing of like, but if you have a headache, do you just grin and bear it? Or if it's really bad, do you take medication for it? How's that any different? Um, so I am a creator, I'll say. Um, I do many things. I do podcasting. Uh, I run a company that is focused on open source and uh, ethical tech. I um, run a couple of communities. I contract. I've been contracting at Mozilla for going on 12 years now, um, doing various things. Uh, the last four years, mainly MDN, which I think a couple of people will know that listen to this. And um, other than that, I, you know, I've been living with uh, mental health and mental illness for since I was 15, I think. I, I roughly kind of pinpoint that as, as a point in time. A uh, variety of stuff, everything from, um, you know, anxiety to uh, deep depression and self-medicating, as a lot of us with those things do, um, with all the wrong medication. Um, those that come in a bottle that you buy at the a place, <laughs> um, you know, look, it's not, it's not Bernardo. <laughs> no. So yeah, you Although know, over the counter is also a, a problem, but yeah. 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 <laughs> um, no. So, you know, looking at for answers at the bottom of a, of a bottle, never finding any, but keep keeping on looking. So um, yeah, that, that turned into a problem in itself, especially after my dad passed about four years ago, but then it was kind of also an interesting point where it was, I went completely off the deep end for a bit, but then realized it and found that it was the time to change. And now I've been sober now for over a year. Um, so really chuffed about that. Uh, I'm highly encouraged. <laughs> it's quite a different life. Thanks, Lisa. Right. And um, I mean, my mental health has also gotten a lot better. Um, I think it's, I think it's a combination of factors, but I do think that played a big role because you know, just um, doing something that you know isn't good for you, uh, for your like health, health, um, and having this this concern about my health in general, health having health anxiety. Um, you know, those two things don't work well together. So um, now that I don't have, I'm not actively sabotaging myself. Um, I've been able to deal with stuff better. So um, we did a, we did a quite a nice thing in the first one where we did this mental health check-in at the beginning where each mm. one just said like, mm. how are you doing? And, you know, how's your week been? That kind of thing. And I, I really like that. And I think we should probably do that every time. So I'll, um, I'll kick it off and then I'll, I'll pass it over to Liesl and then Liesl, you can pass it back to Skull so you can do your check-in. So mm. for me, let, yeah, sorry, I just want to interrupt. So maybe you can do yours and then Lisa can introduce herself yes. and then do hers and yes. then I'll just go after that. Yeah. Yeah, no, so I'm just, I just don't want Lisa to misunderstand and think that she needs to start talking about how she's feeling before she even think, like, explains who she is. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, go ahead. Exactly. So, I mean, uh, the last week's been, as strange enough as we talked in the previous one, it's been really busy, but it's been good in the sense that it's it's work that I enjoy and stuff but um you know so it's been it's been pretty okay actually um but yesterday uh in our front garden for the fifth time in since 2020 the 
bloody mains pipe burst again and it's just mud and water everywhere and like the people from the municipality that came out was just like I don't know what these people are doing. It took them the entire day to like 10 last night to fix one pipe that burst in one spot and now they're gone and we don't know if they're going to come back. So we just have this big hole and mud everywhere and the last four times we ended up having to pay out of pocket and do all this work to fix it ourselves. So today I'm frustrated and tired but I still have a bunch of work to do. So I have to now find a balance between those things. So I think my general check-in would be, it was pretty good until yesterday. <laughs> and then things kind of went south. And that's life. Um, but it's okay. I feel okay. I, I'm surprised at how well I'm dealing with it. Um, so that is that feels encouraging. So I'm seeing it as a, in a positive light. But that's me. Now I'm going to hand it over to Liesl. Cool, thank you. I want to say both to uh, Scott times two. Thanks. Um, so just a quick <laughs> just a quick introduction for myself. So um, currently, I'm working uh, for an organisation um, as a COO. I, I always joke about it, but we, we we're definitely small enough to not need C titles. But I've got it now, so you can't take that away from me. Um, so, but the people, because we're smaller, um, sort of the, the, the chief people function then also sits under the role that I have in the organization. Um, having to oversee people and uh, handle comms and logistics and, and the HR element of that is very taxing. It is, it is probably 60% of the whole job. Um, but regardless, I enjoy it a lot. I think the people, the people uh, angle of it is, is what I enjoy the most. Um, I've been in the tech industry for, the, for 15 years or so, perhaps a little bit longer, but if it's longer, I don't want to know. Um, and yeah, I mean, that's, that's tech. It's, it's also always challenging. I've never seen it not, not be challenging because the speed at which, um, the technologies, um, the tools, the software we use, it is just ever changing. I mean, it's, 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 it's the fastest moving in the world probably. So, um, even if you, if, if you look at how like, um, technology companies are driving the way that other organizations work, um, the concept of going from a cubicle to, uh, to what they, what they call it, open, open floor. I can't even remember what that was open called. Open plan. Open plan. They did it and then the whole world followed and then people went back to having their own offices and then they went back or oh, we've gone remote and now we can hire across the world and absolutely leading the way. But it's not a, it, there's, there's not a space to sit on your laurels and like see that happen. Mm. You have to keep up. Um, so that, that having that agility and flexibility, um, and constantly reinventing your organization to stay up to speed. I think that's what makes it a stressful sort of uh, just stressful circumstances to to work under in the first place. Um, and then um, why we while we are divulging medications openly, um, I was on Muzak for a great many years um, on a quite a high dose of. I am no longer, which I'm quite happy about. Okay. However. <laughs> I've had to swap it for a little bit of urban oil because I 
developed anxiety uh, because of uh, like prolonged exposure to stress over many years. So mm. I now have to take something to just keep that under control. Um, and then as far as my, mm. my health check goes, we're kind of sitting on a possible organizational pivot, which is really exciting, but also very scary. I'm overworked. I'm tired. I'm frustrated. I'm almost like also because I'm a, I always aim the highest I can possibly aim. I'm also a little bit like I live in a little space of disappointment. Um, if, if people around me don't live up to my expectations. Um, but that's my own problem. And so I would say like on a scale of one to 10, I'm probably at a seven today. Um, if okay. zero is the best yeah. circumstance. And that's, that's my whole intro. I don't know if you have any questions. No, that was amazing. Um, I think also one, one thing that, so, so we actually, so the person that kind of introduced us to this was actually Gideon. Um, so he actually recommended it and it was actually really great. Um, and I think something that's very important like for me as well is uh, just because of my personality i'm i'm one of those people that just want to make everything okay um so my immediate like gut reaction is to be like no like it's okay oh man that's so inspiring or that's like and just allowing it to be like okay you are overworked that sucks and it is what it is, you know, just allowing that and not going like, oh, yeah, but Liesl, but, you know, like you, you, you're such an inspiration for everyone. And, you know, we get all these not having any disclaimers. So that's very hard for me. Um, so from my own side, I, I had a, like since the last time we spoke, I had a very tough time. I, I think I gave myself carbon monoxide poisoning by accident. Um just because of where the generator is placed and um, my office, like we have a weird setup where the, the garage is actually higher than my office. And but my office is next to the garage, but it's actually like you go downstairs to get to my office and like some reason the garage door shutting from like I don't know whether it was the wind or whatever and because I was recording videos and my daughter was going mad outside I closed all the windows and doors and whatever and I think I gave myself carbon monoxide poisoning and, and the only reason why I think that is because I initially thought I had the flu and then the the next day I was just fine and it's as if nothing happened so um, I don't think it was the flu unless it was like a one day flu and also it's unlike anything I've experienced um, so I, I started getting like a fever uh, not a fever but um, I don't know what the English would be co course um, like very cold and shivering and whatever and so I was like oh man I'm getting the flu and whatever and I went to bed and and I woke up in the middle of the night and I was just like in so much pain and I, I felt like I was dying and and literally like like the entire the, the bed was just like soaked from like sweat um, and I'm not even ashamed to say, like, I was, like, literally crying because I thought I was going to die. Um, I was, and I went to just get in the shower and I was like, yo. And so that was not fun. Um, but one thing that, that kind of, 
like stuck with me that kind of still has me a bit rattled from that whole experience is so 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 obviously after that I kind of read up a bit about it and like so I wasn't like in any like actual real danger because like most people when it gets bad enough they start like vomiting and whatever and they just remove themselves out of what whatever is causing the 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 situation and whatever um so most people that die from it are people that kind of like get drunk and they kind of pass out or, or whatever and then you know they they kind of get carbon monoxide poisoning so but like that feeling of feeling like i'm dying like just my whole body aching and whatever um i think that rattled me a lot because at one point i was literally thinking like man this is this is how i'm going you know this is it and like i just felt so alone um and i think that experience really ra like rattled me like just that feeling of helplessness and there's nothing my wife can do there's nothing anyone can do like this is where i'm now and like i'm feeling this and the, like and there's no way to fix it i think that kind of rattled me a bit and i'm still a bit like uh, not great from that so um but much better now um but it, like in that moment it really sucked so yeah that was that was kind of what i've been doing um Champs trying gold. to not get myself killed yeah <laughs> that's, that's, that sounds horrible um yeah it was I, I didn't even realize that generators pose that kind of sort of threat to you yeah so but it's also it's a it's a it's a it's a kind of a perfect storm of things yes. like once again you know the fact that my my office is lower and obviously carbon monoxide is heavy so it goes down and um i closed all the windows and and all of that so um yeah but it's actually yeah like i think someone told me like it's one of those things where most people don't actually realize how dangerous like carbon monoxide is um and they're just like you know running generators in the garage or whatever but yeah I, I learned my lesson the hard way now i'm like overcompensating now i'm like you know screw all the neighbors they have to listen to my generator now i'm just leaving that door wide open <laughs> yeah but yeah so mentally like a, a week after that or whatever i was really like having a hard time mentally um i'm much better now but it's like almost like that little there's this little thing in the back of my head still that's kind of like still a bit rattled by that that i kind of try not think about it but yeah fun times all around <laughs> yeah all right but uh but Fortunately for, for you guys, you're not here on the Skulk Fenter show. Um, so I'm much more interested in what, what Liesl has to share. Um, and so you did introduce um, kind of a bit in terms of IO Digital, where you work and kind of what you do there. And I just want to take a moment to just appreciate the fact that you are willing to speak openly about this and also that io is a place that allows you to speak openly about this um i think that is something that shouldn't be for taken for granted and i think is a massive kudos actually to an organization um because 
I don't want to n- like name any organizations or whatever, but there was uh, recently uh, on, on the mental health channel on, on ZA Tech, um, someone shared an article that went about men- about mental health and whatever um, that was published by an organization, effectively, you know, Mental Health Matters. And, and all of that is true. And like, like, it was a really good article. But they, one of the things that they noted when they shared the article is that they did feel that it placed disproportional responsibility on the individual itself. Like here are some things that you can do to help with mental health, like exercise, meditate, and you know, talking about like, oh, like the tech industry is uh, is uh, like a high demand, stressful environment or whatever. And, but, yeah, like I, I don't want to talk about it too much because I think it's a great article and I, I highly recommend it and it has like some really great stuff in it. But like I think it also shows that there's this entire side of mental health in the tech industry that people are just ignoring as if it doesn't exist for obvious reasons because you don't want to burn bridges. You don't want to be like, um, you know, these organizations where people have to come in on Saturdays or whatever, screw those guys, you know? Um, and then you need to apply at one of those places one day for a job or, or whatever. So, um, so I want to kind of just like, like deliberately say that thanks for actually yourself and IO as an organization for being open about this and being like, this is complex and we're willing to talk about it. We're not going to pretend as if it doesn't exist because this conversation needs to be had. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's, um, it's, I, yesterday when I was doing a little bit of preparation, I kind of started writing things out. I'm a visual person so and I, I use Miro, but I, I use my notebook before I go to Miro. Um, and I was writing it out and then there was a sort of like a, uh, almost like, like a little bit of a framework that stood out to me in terms of implementing mm. these things in an organization. Um, and so I highlighted them and I might, I might actually start with that because I think um, it raises um, a few things that actually make this hard in organizations. So for me, the, mm. the first uh, sort of um, heading is education, right? So, if you've got a company that's built such as ours that that really works in a team structure, it's not departments, it's it's teams. Um, you would want at least the leaders of those teams, like a lead developer, or it could it could be with a designer as well, and then a project manager, to just from a people perspective understand things that could either trigger a person, or something that could stand out about the person. So we did this little check-in, this little health check-in today. Um, I know for a fact that one of our um, sort of scrum teams, they do, when they do their morning stand-up, they throw a score out there and they say where they're at. And immediately at the beginning of the workday, you already know where your teammates are at and like, can you support them? How can you support them? But then also um, I, I feel like mental illnesses um, there are certain things like if something is coming up with the person, if you know a little bit, you can tell. Um, and you'd be able to spot in your team where somebody is having a hard time. So just just a light. We can't we can't all be medical professionals. I, I forgot to put my disclaimer in there. I can only talk from my own experiences. I am not 
Sorry. We should actually we should actually do that at the beginning as well, Skulk. Like, uh, yeah. The I'm, last thing I want is for people being like, they told me on this podcast that I should follow my dreams and quit my job, and I'm like, no. And look now, you know, yeah. like, um, no, I, I, yeah. it's I, I speak from I speak from experience, but not yeah. from a med- medical perspective. But um, mm. I think because I've had so many experiences with different things there's a lot I can tell because I'm, I'm quite good at building mm-hmm. mental models so I can pick up on these things but not everybody has that skill so just doing some basic level of education with your teams on that um, the other uh, 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 heading for me is investment um, and that is that is a that is yeah but it's a, a, mental illness in the workplace is, is for me it's not a one-way street it's a two-way street mm. so the employee has to meet the organization in the middle and the organization meets the employee in the middle. The employee can't have expectations of an organization to respond to something that they not, are not aware of its existence, right? That's that's a one-way street, so mm. that's not fair. Um, so you need to invest. We've done wellness workshops, and I don't know how, how good they were perceived and, and so on, but um, it's definitely you do your policy you give people a road to how, how to address the things, right? So it's a little bit of time and money investment. Um, and you make sure that those policies are readily available. Um, openness, um, I, I could probably have called it transparency. Um, if somebody has a serious medical condition, right? So I'm going to use, I'm going to use something like a, let's say, um, like, They've got a they've got a stage one cancer, right? And they need to regularly go for a medical checkup. That means, or they might might get a treatment, and it might mean three days after the treatment they need to work from home, or they need to actually have three days off. If the organisation knows about it, they can plan for it, right? And I feel mm. that 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 mental illnesses should be treated in the same manner. So tell your organization and tell them what you require and what you need so that they can be prepared. So it's having that openness and transparency from the beginning, not after the event has happened. Mm. Um, And then I always look at everything I do in an organization from a fairness perspective. So Mm. I I feel mental illnesses should be treated the same as any other illness. And I can substantiate why I say that because I just before that raised that um, if you know you need a, an afternoon off because this is your therapy day and some people's therapy can be way more than just like what we all think therapy is in a movie. It's intense. You don't want to go back to work after. Um, it depends on what the treatment is, right? So you can have you can ask for that day or for that afternoon off or whatever, or you can say, okay, say you have a bipolar disorder, an episode can come out of the blue, right? Um, so how do you handle that so that when somebody is, is ill, like bodily ill, or somebody is ment- mentally ill, that they all get the same treatment? And I think mm. the organization, if they expected to give somebody a month off for a mental illness – and you look at it from just a like like say like a treatment for cancer, it should be treated in the same way. So the oncologist might give us a letter saying these are the days and these are the symptoms the person is experiencing. Please allow them to have those three days off. 
why shouldn't you ask that mm. from somebody with mental illness? Yeah. And that, that is how you get the fairness across the board. Yeah. So, like, no, and, and this is what I appreciate, is, is like, I appreciate the, the openness and, and the sincerity with which you also speak about it, you know. I think it's very easy to disguise it in, like, fluffy, flowery language in terms of we, we support you to be the best you can be and whatever. But, like, you know, there are realities. And, and I think... Um, like even within like because i'm trying to think of like what would be like the most supportive environment that you could be in would be a support group okay so in like in general a support group is, is meant to be a non-judgmental um like safe space that you can be in and i've definitely because i've kind of co-run support groups in the past um I've definitely been in places where we had to tell people you are no longer allowed to come. Like you, because there's like an agreement in terms of um, a baseline behavior. And unfortunately, it's nothing personally against you. It's just like in order for us to protect everyone else in the group, like there are limits. Like you can't, and, and, and I think I'm qualified to say this because I struggle with a lot of like mental problems and histories and stuff. Is it fair that I have to deal with this stuff and someone else doesn't? Uh, you know, like I also don't believe that everyone equally has their fair share of like suffering or whatever. I think it is unevenly distributed. Like, like I don't think the world is fair and that's just a reality. Like whether it should be fair or not is irrelevant. I don't think the world is fair. Um, in some manners, like some of the th mental stuff that I've have to deal with and had to deal with isn't fair. But at the end of the day, I am the one that needs to take responsibility for that, and no one else is going to. I can help people. I can help. I can have people help me. But I can't have other people carry that. Whether that's fair or not is irrelevant. That's the reality. And, and this is why it's so hard to have these discussions because our brains kind of crave simplicity and absolute answers. So we want an answer that's like, no, it is the, it is your, it's, it's your workplace's job to always ensure you are supported and you feel safe and like, and, uh, it's 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 complex um because and 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 like mental health and mental illnesses are complex by default but i think at some point for myself as well you need to bring something to the table because going back to the example of the support groups um you can't so like there's like i'm speaking of a specific instance now where someone was like literally they were having an episode and they were phoning random people in the support group and they were kind of like threatening them um you know at some point we have to say like they like unfortunately it's nothing personal against you it's not because like you have like this condition and we are like no because you have this condition you're not allowed it's practically it's hard for us to what would be the word like protect others in the group from that and i i think even in organizations that's a reality and it might not be something as straightforward as hey you are literally 
sending death threats to your co-workers but it might be something as simple as you know Liesl mentioned you know like oh let's say you have a, a oncology appointment or whatever if, if we were to use that metaphor um, it might be something as simple as I have a mental breakdown and I'm gonna go home I can't deal with this I'm not gonna answer any calls I'm not gonna answer any emails at some point that is going to become someone else's problem if you just disappear. And that, for all you know, that person might also be having mental struggles. They might also be going through a hard time. And, like, that isn't fair. So I think uh, my own history with this as well, I think sometimes there's a temptation to look at it through a very individualized manner where it's like, oh, the company doesn't care about me and, oh, like, they're screwing me over. And... I think those conversations can be had. I, I think there are a ton of circumstances, I think more often than there should be, where companies screw people over for various reasons. But um, there's also the reality of having these discussions and it just being problematic practically for you to either not treat this thing that you have or not try and manage it yourself and let the team assist you in managing it. Um, those are hard conversations, yeah. Um, Skulk, I, I, I totally hear you because I think um, the, it feels like there's a lot of blame going around for organizations. Yeah. And then the, the person's treatment of the situation wasn't correct. Um, so, I mean, mm. I've, I've, I've seen – and the, and the other thing that people have to understand um, and why – like, I even wrote this down because it's so important. Like, I, and, and you, you know, I speak from a, from a tech company perspective. We manage people's um, – companies' infrastructure. We have mm. – we sit with their code in our code repos. We, our IP our, – not our, our, our clients' IP – is stuff that needs to be protected. Now a person has an episode and they disappear and we can't locate their computer and we can't contact them. Um, at that, po at that, that moment, they have put the organization in huge risk. And you know, my job is to mm. de-risk the organization. So that's a big problem for me. I, I, I'm like a dog, like that, that the jaws have clamped. Like I cannot leave that situation until I know hmm. that the person is safe, our equipment is safe, our customers' data and our clients' like IP is in a safe space, right? And I've I've had like circumstances where I haven't spoken to the person in two weeks, so I know nothing. Like there's no information being sent through to us as an organization. And I kind of I think I used this when I when I answered you on LinkedIn is it also has a monetary effect on us because I immediately need to mm. replace that resource on the team. Um, and mm. so, so now I've got a resourcing issue without knowing when the person is going to be back. Mm. Then the expectation of the organization is to have open arms and welcome the person back because our approach is support kindness first, and then we deal with the HR, mm. but, but we, we go, we, we go, we start with that. But how far does a person expect an organization to go if you look at how the how the how it was handled in the first place, right? Um, surely the support 
the, 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 the people around this person knows that he has a very specific mental illness. It has great repercussions. It can come on quite fast. Um, so your, your support group, your brothers, sisters, your mom, dad, um, partner, wife, whomever, they need to know what to do in, in those circumstances, right? So at, at that point, they also need to step in and give the organization information so that we can take the necessary steps. Should we have a take quite a hard stance on that, we'd be almost thrown under the bus and um, it, it would be the organization that, get hurt, that gets hurt through, through that. Um, because people are so outspoken, so it would it would it would be framed in a way that we're the organisation is the wrong party, um, mm. whereas actually, from the from the get go, the situation was handled poorly, and that's why I'm saying people just mm. if you have that openness and that 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 transparency, um, and people knowing that they can say something is coming on or something is happening. And then we take the necessary steps and we should secure everything we should secure. That's that's one way. If you as an organization don't mm. have an opportunity to step in and help navigate the system, how far should should it go? Yeah. And I I think also and I'm curious to to hear Skulk Netling's uh, like take on this, but maybe just quickly before that, um, I think like it's also worth adding that for myself as well, I have been in situations where I have gone beyond what is reasonable in terms of like making provision for people, like um, protecting people from the implications of like like not showing up for work or whatever. And to this date, I, that has never ended well. Like it has never ended well um, for either party. Um, and I like every time I've done that I've regretted that as a manager and like and it's tough and, and and I think also a distinction needs to be made in terms of even if the like like so you know we can go all the way up to you know like taking this all the way back to you know like the current day capitalist model and like they, like I can speak a lot to that, you know. Like I, I, I like I do for fear of. I'm not. It's not that I'm that I'm that I'm like I don't want to offend people or whatever, you know. Like I'm. I, I actually think like the current economic system is highly dysfunctional, and I think as a as as a person that struggles with mental health issues, you get a front row seat to that. Um, but that being said, this is the sports field at the moment. Um, and unfortunately, you know, I don't know. And, and this is kind of what I would like the theme of this, this show to be is like, I'm very scared now in terms of how I'm expressing myself. I'm not finding the words, but I actually want that to be a good thing um, is, you know, things that are hard to articulate. So I might, I might actually regret the way I express it, but you know, I'm just going to allow it. Um, I think the reality is all of us, you know, are just trying to survive. Um, and I, I also think that we need to make a distinction, you know, when we talk about IO Digital and so forth, we're not talking about, you know, 
BP or Shell or Coca-Cola or whatever, you know, like I think there's a conversation to be had about those corporations. But in between me and those big corporations are smaller companies, smaller groups of people, smaller enterprises that are just trying to, you know, do something meaningful. And, and to me, this is where a lot of this conversation happens. Um, and in, at the end of the day, you know, like I have two daughters, I need to be mindful of that. And I, I can't just be, you know, like you, there's clearly something going wrong here. You, I'm your manager and you are like causing a lot of havoc in the team. You're making people like, like really unhappy, uncomfortable, and you're causing a lot of pain for everyone else. And unfortunately, I can't be like, I, like we, I can't just allow that until you get that sorted out, whether that is you seeking treatment or that is like you actually having an honest discussion with the team and saying, this is the reality. What can I do from my side and what can you guys do from your side? And if we can't reach an agreement in terms of where that should meet, then unfortunately, like this isn't a good fit. Um, and I, I think from my side as well, I see this play out quite a lot of students as well because of like I'm mostly in the world of academia. So, you know, sometimes like you get those students that, you know, and I think anyone will be just like their mind, like it'll just be very discouraging actually seeing how big mental issues are are actually a thing nowadays in the world of academia. Like how many of the problems in terms of students um, dropping out or whatever is related to mental things. Um, but like, you know, there's also a point where you're like, listen, I can, I can help you. I can push you through. We can, we can like take you through the program, ensure you graduate no matter what. But the question is what then, you know, if it, if it took all this power just to get you to graduate, are you actually like, where do you go from there? Like, like what type of jobs are you going to apply for? How are you going to make it as part of a team? And those things feel really unfair. And, and, and I think, for me personally, like, yes, like that, that's such a Gordian knot in terms of wrestling with like the apparent unfairness of that, but then also trying to be reasonable as well. And then I think this is also why a lot of people and a lot of companies and whatever just don't engage at all. They're just like, we support our employees. You know, we have pizza days. We go and share our feelings. And, you know, we have meditation retreats at the company. And they don't talk about like the on the ground realities of mental health and, and mental illness. I 100% uh, like get that because even as I'm saying some of these things, I start thinking like, shit, man, like, sorry, am I, I don't know if I'm allowed to sway on this podcast. <laughs> Am I kind of painting a picture of myself here now that I'm going to be scared, like that I'm going to regret and be like, I regret putting that perception of myself out there. But yeah, Skulk, I'm, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on this as well, because I know you've also been in positions where you try to support people in teams where it didn't necessarily go that well. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> there's a lot here. Um, so uh, let me think where to start. Okay, so I think um, I think you bring up something really important, Liesl, and I can highlight quite a recent event 
in which that didn't play out well. And it's exactly for the reasons that you highlighted. And I think, so what I'm referring to is the fact that um, somebody disappears and you don't know, like, where's the code you've done? Where's, where's the laptop? Do we need to start off from scratch? What are these things? If there isn't, if that isn't something that's thought through in the beginning, then you have to react in the moment. And that's not going to work out well for anybody. Somebody's going to lose or everybody's going to lose potentially in, in this whole thing. So thinking about this upfront and having a plan in place, even if that means, like you said, you have to involve family of, of the person, of everybody on the team to say, in this scenario, this is what we expect. From, from us, and this is the support we can offer from our side, the meeting in the middle. I think that's important because, you know, um, you can talk to this from one perspective where somebody has a mental uh, break and they just like don't show up and you can't get in contact with them. But somebody could drive back home this afternoon and be in a, a horrible car crash and be in a coma. You know, and that's exactly the same thing. Like there needs to be some kind of process that says, for example, um, one of the things that, that we had on a, in a previous um, client that I was is at the end of your day, ensure that everything you've done is pushed to GitHub. Even if it's work in progress, and that was before, before draft pull requests, um, stick a web label on it, but push it up. Just, you know, it, it's it's one of these things that always sucks to think about. It's like thinking about your will and thinking about a funeral plan and stuff like that. Like, I don't want to think about that stuff. I, you know, death is one of the things that mm. scares me. And it's not being dead. It's the last, let's say, week. Like, what is that going to be like? There's su it's such an unknown that my brain doesn't know how to deal with it. And so it just tries to protect me from it. And it's not doing a great job because it's just, stirring up anxiety in, in me. So, you know, all of those things you have to think about it, but you kind of don't. But if you can push through it once and define what it is, then you kind of don't have to think about it again because now the policies and the processes are in place. So you know, okay, cool, I'm done for the day. Push up to get up, now I can go. If I end up feeling really bad and I end up in the hospital, I have a, a car accident or I just have a mental health um, episode and I just cannot work tomorrow, it's fine. My code is there. Everybody knows where everything is. They have a direct line to, let's say, my partner or to my um, father or mother, depending on what the situation is. So they can inform them of what the situation is. Um, because, yeah, we just went through that uh, at one of my clients where somebody just fell ill um, seemingly overnight, which happens. <laughs> I'm not saying the person's lying at all. And then the second day they were feeling worse. And then they kind of just they disappeared from the map and they started with a part of a project and now everybody's scrambling around like, oh, we need to get this done on time. Where's the code? We don't know where the code is. Can't get hold of the person because we distribute it. So, you know, one person in the UK, the other one's in the US, the other one's in Europe. So it's not like you can just walk down the street and say, hey, let me just quickly help you push your code up or something. So I think having those processes and thinking about the hard thing um, and kind of not drawing a line in the sand, but saying like, this is what is expected so that we're all safe. Mm. And so that if something happens to you, you don't have to have that worry about, ah, I didn't push my code, crap, and I can't get to my laptop, whatever the case may be. I think that helps everybody in that scenario. 
The other thing that's important is what you mentioned, um, Liesl, again, is that mental illness, and it's always so weird. To, I always, I struggle to say that those two words next to each other, mental illness. I always go mm. to mental health. And it's because of, again, the stigma. If you say mental illness, people equate that with, you know, people coming with suits and putting you in a straitjacket and throwing you in a padded room. So immediately when I say mental illness, my brain goes to, no, 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 that's not what I mean. I just mean like, you know, mental illness, you know? Um, Being sad. Yeah, or yeah. You know, or having a lot of stress or anxiety or whatever the case. It, it's, it doesn't necessarily mean you're insane, you know, not the same thing. Different. It's a spectrum, like we say now. So I think, you know, that is important to say that mental illness and physical illness, same thing. Same thing. It's just two different terms that we've, we're, we're referring to different parts of the human body, but it's an illness is what it boils down to. The reason I, I say that it's important to treat it that way is because way back, like this is like 12 years ago, um, I had to go for an operation, not a big operation, but yeah, decent size. And so I had to take time off work. The thing is, I was, I, I live in like, the northern side of Pretoria. So, and I was working in Midrand. So that's, you know, that's a drive in traffic and stuff like that. And the nature of the operation made it so I couldn't drive myself. Um, so I was off for roughly a week, week and three or four days. And then I went for a checkup with the surgeon and he said, yeah, you know what? I'm going to book you off for another week. I don't think you're ready yet. And so I let them know about it. And then when I got back, everything seemed fine. Then the performance review came around and they were like, well, you know, we had this conversation and honestly, we think you took off way too much time after your operation. So, you know, no bonus for you, also no increase for you for the next year. And I was like, wait, what? I stayed away longer because my the surgeon decided it's not a good idea to go back yet who are you to tell me that the surgeon doesn't know what he's talking about and so that 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 caused a very uncomfortable situation it's the reason i eventually i essentially left the company but um if that is how they treat a physical illness i'm pretty sure if if that was mental i would have been fired on the spot i wouldn't even have come back from that and so I think a lot of times people mask and people pretend to be okay because they they honestly fear for their job if they are open about it and say, you know what, sometimes I just can't focus. I just can't work because my mind is just all over the place. Maybe I couldn't, maybe I have ADHD and I couldn't get my medication. There was that time where Adderall was, um, you almost couldn't get it in the United States. Um, and some people, when they don't have their medication, like, they can't focus. Uh, do would people feel comfortable saying that? I mean, we find it hard to say the medications that we use. By the way, I, I haven't mentioned mine, so I'll mention them in a sec. But yeah, I think those are some of the critical things that that is not being talked about. And 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 if it's not, it's not going to get any better. And then the last thing that I wanted to mention is. Um, just like people who have, have to go for cancer treatment or, or who have heart failure and therefore, you know, have an extended period of time, they, they're off work. What Skolk mentioned is our economic system is not set up to support these people. 
it's like, you know, pony up and get to work or you're not going to be able to pay your house and you're going to lose your house and you and your family is going to end up on the streets. And then mm. you end up doing irresponsible things because you don't want to lose your job. And this goes, and this should be treated exactly the same for mental things. If you are going through a period of where it's just impossible and you need to have therapy three times a day and you have to be off work for a month, there needs to be things in place that supports you financially so that the company can, first of all, backfill your position for a period of time, but you can also take the time you need to get to a place where you can return as a productive member of the team. And that's also not in place. And I think AI and this whole mess that surrounds it is highlighting this. And I'm not sure if people see this because there's so many people that are, f- mm. that are fearful of their jobs because people are telling them a lot of this is bullshit, by the way, but um, your job is in jeopardy. You better start thinking of doing something else because three, three months from now, you're going to be without a job. So, you know, um, I just wanted that. Yeah, sorry, no, go on. I thought you were done. No, no, so, so yeah, I mean, that is, these are some of the things that, that I've experienced and the, the realities and some of the stuff that just coming out of what all of you said. And then, like, I, in terms of medication, like, I, I take an antidepressant called Arapax and then I use Dopaquil. And then, as of a month ago, I started using Vyvanse for ADHD. So, those are the, the three ones that I take. I'd love to know. We can do medication bingo. Yeah. So, yeah, that, that was a lot. Um, so I'd love to hear both of your thoughts on all the things that I just mentioned. Yeah. Uh, Liesl, you probably have a ton to talk about, but like, I also just want us to be cognizant of time um, because I think last time we also realized that the big problem with discussing mental health stuff isn't that there isn't enough to say. Like, uh, and I've seen this definitely happen even like when I just have tangential conversations with people. It's like, it's almost like there's no point in which you can neatly tie it up because it is such an open conversation that don't have very clear answers. So like at some point you just have to say like, okay, time's up. We need to cut this conversation short. So so I'm just giving a heads up of that. Um, So like, I would also like if you can maybe after your response now also talk a bit about when do you share this because like i'm not convinced that saying in the interviewing process oh yeah by the guys by the way guys every three months i just black out and i can't remember what i'm doing and i have like a mental episode and like i i like i wake up naked like in in the street somewhere you know <laughs> like oh, okay what are what's the other candidates like <laughs> um, that's obviously like just for comedic effect but you get the you get the point like when do you actually surface this or do you think you should surface this at the very first instance because there are realities in terms of the hiring process mm-hmm. and so forth i wanted when 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 skulk n was speaking um i i uh, the I, I wrote a few things around um if you do have a mental illness i think you need to be aware of red flags so you could perhaps um what we're doing now is we're doing a published uh handbook organizational handbook so if the company has that and there is a, and I also wanted to say, Skalk, I, I, I'm also very careful when I, when I use the word mental illness, um, they say you shouldn't mm. say mental illness, you should say mental illnesses. 
which is a bit of a broader term. Um, somebody asked me to so call. So I have mental illnesses. There we go. Yes. That's much better. Just when you're speaking to it. <laughs> More than um, one. <laughs> I had somebody ask me this week if we can call it a wellness policy. Um, I don't know. I don't know because the wellness, uh, I'm not really, uh, the wellness speaks to yoga and diet for me. So I'm not a hundred percent sure. I'll take it into consideration. Um, but, um, so, so perhaps if, if they can make their, um, handbook available to you so, so that you can see if there's a published policy on it. Um, I think if they're not saying anything about it and you are a person who suffers with mental illnesses or a mental illness, um, I, I I wouldn't feel weird if somebody asked me about that before, uh, but that's just me personally, um, because I would want to know as early as possible um, into the process. Um, but check check that. So if if they don't have anything published or they're not willing to divulge anything, then just let your red red flags come up and move on. I guess because then you already know like you, you're going to get stuck here. Um, we normally ask for that information um, after a hire has been made, um, but when we are, we we do explicitly ask in sort of when we collect the the employee data. Um, so and and there a person can at least give the basics, and then if there's something more we wanted to find out, we would probably go to them and ask. Um, for 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 a. Uh, when, when, where there's a medical condition, whether or not it's mental illness or, or like um, bodily or, a, you know, medical, um, we just make sure that we have those contacts in place so that we, we know if something happens, we can contact the right person. Um, sort of, yeah, what I wanted to respond to Skolk about in terms of what he said. Um, and, and Skolk, I think you asked... Um, at what point do you say that? Um, I don't know. Every organization is going to be different. I wouldn't necessarily say that, that, that just speaking from my perspective, that that is going to make a difference in the hire. But I can certainly think that there's organizations where they're going to go, oh, rather not, you know, let's just get somebody that's not, that's, that's, that's going to be the least amount of sick ever. Uh, um, uh, uh. I think South Africa's um, labor um, uh, laws um, allows for, for quite a bit. Um, you have 36 days in a three-year cycle um, in terms of sick leave. And you realistically can use your 36 days in year one. It just means that in year two and year three, if you have another 36 days, that's going to start legally. That's going to start eating away at your annual leave, or you're going to have to take your leave unpaid. Um, but I, 36 days to me is that is not an insignificant amount of days in three years. Um, is it enough? I don't know, but, but our labor laws are certainly not too bad in terms of that. It's just my feeling around it. Yeah, I, I think the number of days um, is okay, but I think it's the bigger problem, and that is I, that's not for a individual corporation to solve. Um, but I think the larger problem is the one that I hinted at, where it's society isn't set up to support people that go through life's traumas. Um, 
because it might be that you're having a particularly bad year, um, not even just from a mental uh, illness perspective, but from stuff happening to people around you that you that you love and care about. And you might need those 36 days. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, I mean, like Hideon, for example, that we spoke to before, I'm pretty confident he could have easily used up 36 days in a year when his wife, you know, was diagnosed with cancer. So, yeah. Yeah. and then, you know, year two and three, what if in year three she, she relapses, which happens, you know, what, what is he to do then? Now he sits with having to deal with the fact that his wife might pass away and he needs to take unpaid leave. You, you're not going to do that. You're going to, you're going to try and juggle all the balls at the same time and probably burn yourself out. And now you have three problems. So, mm. and so it's the, it's the thing that Skolk spoke to where the capitalist system is set up in a way where there's no room for this. I mean, for the longest time, if you were a woman, they would ask you if you think, if you're thinking about having children soon. And that would be like saying you have a mental illness. They will not hire you if you say yes. Because they, they're thinking, mm. oh, so in three years, we're going to have to give you three months off. Mm, no, no. And then you're going to have a kid. Now you're going to have all kinds of stuff that you have to do, and it's going to influence how productive you are. We'll pass. You know, so women would, would literally say, no, I'm not thinking about it, even if you are, which is. Meanwhile, you know, I don't know, we, because we can do it all. <laughs> I've, I've, you, I've, you, I've, just, I've, uh, you just say. No, I feel. I mean, I've, I I was a, for a significant significant amount of years a single mother, and I worked a full day. And I'm sorry, but yeah. it, like it's totally doable. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So what? What's so? Sorry, I jumped into this conversation <laughs> like at a at a strange point because I went to the loo quickly. Like a man can only hold for so long. <laughs> um, but like, so, 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 and this is where it gets difficult. And I I I want. You know, like I want, like kind of the whole premise of these conversations to be about the difficult, scary stuff. So whenever for myself, I need to remind myself mentally that when we get to this, it's not, I shouldn't be like, oh, 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 let's pull it back. Let's pull it back a bit. Like, like let's sit with that. Um, and like, to me, the paradox there is like, Liesl, how do we celebrate that? How do we say like, that is amazing. That's a phenomenal feat. It speaks to how strong you are as an actual human, but also not shame people who are not able to do that. Um, not be like, okay, you're a single mother. But there's all these other single mothers who've been able to like pull it together. And, you know, like, so that, how do we have that conversation? Because there's a slippery slope there, you know, where eventually that conversation ends up at a point where it's like, okay, why isn't everyone just like Arnold Schwarzenegger, you know? Mm. Like he can like do all of this stuff and, you know, like what's wrong with you? So like, and this is, this is where it gets hard. And like, I also think like, it's so hard for me to have conversations, bring in even the economic model, like that we as a society operate on into these conversations because like I partake in that model, but I also understand it's very problematic. And but I don't think saying that, yeah, like, you know, capitalism, schmapitalism, you know, sucks, you know, burn it down. Like, like just saying that, you, well, you know, I think that's, there's, there's, there's a lot to unpack there and like a lot of valid things. But I also think at some point that's not an excuse to not engage with the reality that is the world right now. And 
because I think that's a bit of a cop-out, saying that it's the system that's the problem. So unfortunately, everything sucks and I'm not going to actually do anything meaningful and I, like you guys are going to get screwed over and it's just a system that sucks. Um, I don't know. It, it might be... I think like you can say maybe I'm misguided, but I do think at the very least, like, can we not just make things however that story needs to play out um, in my lifetime or in my daughter's lifetime, whatever happens there, because it's definitely not sustainable. So whether we like burn the planet to cinder before then or whatever, like however that plays out, let me just focus on the reality that is the little space in which I operate and wake. How can I make things more reasonable? How can at the very least, yeah. So I don't know, like it's hard conversations. No, I, I, I hear you. I, I cannot, I can't, I can't make anybody think differently about it. I can, you can try and influence thinking. I cannot change how other organizations choose to run their organizations. I certainly cannot take on big corporations. Yeah. Um, I'm not trained to take on anything legal or how a country decides to write the yeah. laws, right? What I can do is I can control the part that yeah. I play yeah. in it. So there are insurances that you can take out mm. for yourself. So when an illness renders you to, into a position where you cannot earn an income or your organization, you can still have a conversation with your organization and say, I'm going to be, I'm not going to be able to work for mm. three months. And your organization might say, well, we can financially carry you for mm. one. But beyond that, and, and if the organization literally doesn't have the money, mm. can we expect the organization to just make yeah. the money? I, I know that there's organizations that will have the money, but they're not going to make yeah. it available. So I'm just speaking from my yeah. perspective. I cannot make the money appear yeah. to keep somebody going for, for a longer period of time, say yeah. three months, and hire somebody or get somebody in their space. I'm paying yeah. double at for three months to keep to keep the person's position, right? So have your own insurances in place so that if something happens to you and you do have an episode that's going to last uh, th three months or longer, that you have something to claim from. Like that, that's why we have insurances. So I, 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 I would recommend that just to anybody, have those things in place. Um, maybe for certain illnesses, they make you pay a little bit more, but hey, I also can't change how insurance companies view these things. But what I can do is I can have insurance in place for myself if something happens to me. Um, and then you can choose how you engage with your organization. You can choose the organization that you work for. And just at, at least if they've got a policy, it means that they are open to a conversation. So choose the organization that you work for. Choose to be open and transparent with them and see how they handle the information. Um, and be be proactive. Don't Don't drop them in these situations because... You're asking for a financial contribution, yet you haven't armed them with. He probably has load shedding. It's just after two. Um, you, 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 and that's what again where I come back to that that two way street. But I'm a very firm believer in the internal locus of control. So whatever you as a person can control, that is for me. That's my safe space. So if I can have all those things 
in line, um, then I'm not as fluctuated um, with uh, like how things go. Um, does it? I don't know if that makes sense. But you can you can sort of keep you can keep things as stable as possible, and it might go a little that way, and might go a little that way. But if you have your stuff in in con- under control and ready and set up, and you know if it, you have medication, you take it when you should be taking it. You go for your regular checkups. That that's how you keep the system stable, right? So that you don't allow it really to just completely tip over. And, and then having to start from scratch. So that's kind of how I see it. But I don't, I'm not a hundred percent convinced that we're somewhat just going to change how people see these things. I, 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 surely we can influence it and, and you can, people can drive it and, and f- almost force it forward. But there is this reality that you can't get away from is that it's just at this point that is how it's built um so so maybe the newer organizations coming in and the smaller organizations certainly are the ones leading the way with that but institutional companies who's been in existence for 150 years i don't know i don't know how yeah yeah no for sure i mean how that is you know. how that is going to play out yeah large ships turn slowly so um but the thing is absolutely uh and so but i do think that, you know there's some so first of all when i was referring to like when they i mean i'm sure there's still companies that do that where they ask you about as a woman do you are you thinking about having children that kind of thing and and saying like what the answer to that question can be as detrimental to you getting the job as saying you have a mental illness what I what I meant by that is you shouldn't be thinking about it in that sense if somebody asks you that question. You shouldn't be thinking about, oh, I know what you want me to say. You want me to say no, right? And we're going to tell you no. You should be thinking, oh, they're probably asking me so they can understand what kind of affordances they should make for me. This is not a do or die question. This is a we need to understand what your plans are because you might be at the company for the next three years and we need to understand that we need to plan for this that's a very different conversation than thinking about it from a if i say yes i'm gonna i'm gonna not get this job and it's it and you know little do they know i can do i can manage but i do need a little affordance here and there like i might need a friday off because I need to take my kid to sport or I might need as somebody with a mental illness, I might get into a situation where I need the Friday off because I just need a day off. Um, yes. If it's, if that is why they're asking the question, then that's a, that's a great conversation to have. But I think that I'm sure that is not why they were asking those questions. They were asking them as a, as a flag of, Mm, we're going to sit here and talk to each other for another 15 minutes, but we already know that the answer is no. Um, so that that's kind of what I was hinting towards that. And then I don't expect a company to just carry somebody along. You know, at some point it, it doesn't work. What I was referring to, um, things not being set up, I think that is where a government comes in. And that's where they need to play a role in setting up supportive 
um, systems that people can fall back on so that it doesn't, it's not all in the company. It's not all on the individual either, because, you know, like insurance is a tough thing because they are expensive. So you need a really good job to be able to afford them. If you lose that job, you might lose your insurance. And now when you reapply, they're going to punish you because you lapsed. Um, I know because I've been there. <laughs> I had a medical, yeah. I had medical aid. Um, and then I left the company, tried to do my own thing. Things didn't quite get there. I ended up losing my medical aid. And then my wife had to go into labor and they didn't want to cover it. So we had to make a plan. And again, this is where we couldn't rely on the government then because yeah. they didn't have any support there. Their hospitals couldn't, I mean, I don't even want to go into this. It was horrible. We ended up at California Hospital and it was the things I saw there and things my wife saw there. We should never, you should never see that in your life. Uh, that is not a hospital. That is, I don't know what to call it, but it was frightening. It was frightening. And, um, so that, you know, that is all the things that I, that mm-hmm. I was leaning towards. So I do think that there's, we need as people who, who live this life and who experience these things, we need to be like evangelists, like, you know, you get your dev evangelist that talks about how cool a pro- company's products are. We need to evangelize that these are the problems. We need to do something about this. Who's willing to jump in and help here? And it can be corporations, it can be individuals, it can be governments. It, I don't know, but some, we need to talk about it. Mm. This is perhaps a little bit of a domino effect because if the organization isn't supported by the government through some kind of, maybe there's like a tax relief or something that you could apply that could make it easier for the organizations to to absorb it, right? So again, you know, I say, I speak for a small organization. Um, it, it, it's a lot of the time it's feast or famine, eh? Like, like I, 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 I this we've got something that I call little um, HR um, sort of customizations, and that is when somebody's got a special circumstance, and that's where I would perhaps put the fairness that I speak so much about, like a little bit aside, because I I understand that this person might not earn that much. So what I would ask of one person. Um, who's in a high pay bracket and what I would ask of somebody who's in a lower pay bracket is perhaps a little bit different. So for somebody in a lower pay bracket, um, I, I would, I, I would actually approach that in a different manner. Um, because I know they wouldn't be able to take the financial hit. Um, you know, I know Rich coming from me saying have insurance, insurance in place, but in South Africa, uh, that is the reality because our government doesn't support any of this. Um, you say now you've had to go to a hospital, which in your opinion isn't even a hospital. Um, you know, that's why, that's why we get medical aid and pay excruciating fees for it. Um, so yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe the next person we you need to get some, <laughs> you need to get somebody. Um, that can speak to 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 government and like how to petition to change these things if you want to really go at it skulk um so you guys you guys said the said the big g word and then all my power went off you summoned the wrath of state-owned like monopolies and escom decided that I no longer am going to be allowed to have power. Thanks, guys. Thanks for bringing the government. There's another this. thing that but, you have to spend yeah. your money, your hard-earned cash on, <laughs> is keeping your own lights so on. There, so, 
So if anyone was like, hey, there's something off here. Why is Skullfainter so quiet? Like, like this isn't usually the case. Like, it's because I didn't have power. So I just started up the generator now. But like, that that's kind of like, if I'm understanding where you guys are at in this conversation, that that's the problem is that you have all this cascading things. And, you know, at some point, it shouldn't be fair that there shouldn't be enough safety nets um, that you need to decide, you need to realize that if I'm going to let this person go, I'm literally throwing them to the wolves. Um, so, like, I don't know, like, we can have all those conversations, but at the end of the day, how can we, given that that is the situation, given that we have load shedding and, you know, our entire, like, state-owned organizations have been looted and whatever, um, given that's a reality, we can be angry about the whole day, but where do we, as a human that exists right now in this day, in the environment that I'm am, can I kind of just help others operate in a reasonable space? Um, I really appreciate it. So Skulk, you also know um, J.D. Botmar. So um, I really like, he has the saying where he's like, he doesn't even want people to live, he doesn't care if people live amazing lives or fulfilling lives. He just wants everyone to live an okay life. He just wants people to be okay. To someone to be like, my life was unsatisfying at best. Like I just went to work. But it's okay, you know, like I, at the very least, I didn't, I wasn't like living on the street or whatever. And like, and I think this is the thing here, like what can we do to just make people that have mental health issues and so forth be okay? Even if like that means they're not necessarily living their best lives, at the very least, how can we make the, the rough edges less intense? Um, but yeah, we- I like that. Yeah. So, but we probably need to start just living an okay life. Yeah, there, there. Skulk twenty twenty three. Skulk twenty twenty three. Live your okay life. That's uh, live your best okay life. Live, live your best mediocre life. There is <laughs> there is words to live by. Yeah, but um, just what a way to end this. <laughs> but yeah, we. Probably, I have I have one. Go for it. I have one interesting thing. Just in, just in closing. So yes. it's just something I, I so I'm, I'm I'm involved with Open Collective, um, which is a nonprofit that exists to support open source and essentially, but it's not just open source. Essentially, give you a way to um, receive funds for work you do and do it all in the open. Um, they do a lot more stuff than that. There's more stuff coming. But the interesting thing that I learned there is this. There's this. Uh, I think it's in Oklahoma. No, no, no. It, Tulsa, Tulsa. The Tulsa Tech Community has an open collective, and all that everybody that wants to that's in tech will contribute a monthly fee to this. And when any individual member of the tech community there is going through a tough time financially, they can submit their expenses to that collective and they pay it. Mm. So that's how they, as a small little community in Tulsa, support each other. Mm. So that is something we can think about. You know, Mm. if the government doesn't play book, the companies can't because they're being hamstrung by uh, regulation. Maybe as a community, we can find a way of creating our own little support fund Mm. and then just it's a job. It's a job to do. You need people to give time freely of them, you have free time to do this. And you have to be careful that people don't extort you for money. Mm. Um, but it works. It works for them because mm. it, it's an each person's benefit for this thing to be healthy. So, the, you know, th- those are the kinds of things we can kind of explore. Yeah. I'd be interested to know how they, how they ensure that fairness. 
Um, is it is it through a questionnaire or? I don't know the details. I kind of just learned about them. I I've invited them on another podcast I have um, to chat about. So that. what I've found with especially with a lot of open source stuff, like a lot of these kind of like type things, what generally like works well, and I've burnt my fingers enough times to realize, okay, you can't just be like, this is a rainbow happy place and everyone gets to contribute. Um, like is generally like you you get what you give so if you don't actually put in work and try and make this project better and you show up one day and say hey i'm using this library and like it doesn't do this you guys suck why is it not doing this um why don't you have this functionality you know like there's like you you equally weigh how much like what would be the word? How much say someone has by how much they actually contribute? Um, if someone who's a big contributor says, like, guys, like, there's this big functionality that's missing, that's going to have a lot more weight. Um, and I, I would just imagine it would work in the same way where if you're involved in the tech community, if you've kind of all kind of, you know, like, you've kind of been part of discussions around this thing and whatever, and you show up and say, like, listen, I have a terminal illness, whatever, I don't have enough money. That's a different conversation than someone who's like, who the hell is this guy just shows up and has like, hey, I need some money, guys. Um, generally, I would find uh, like that is how most open source stuff are actually run. Is you, it's almost a progressive, you almost build up trust progressively. Um, because we also don't go and if someone says, hey, I want to contribute to this library, be like, cool, I'm going to make you a co-admin. Um, and it's the same with FedSA as well. We've had a lot of people that are like, hey, I want to actually help with FedSA and so forth. And then in a week, we don't hear from them again. Um, it's also the same. You kind of progressively, we're like, okay, cool. Maybe just help, like, actually um, greet people at the next event or whatever. And then you do that. And we kind of give you a bit more responsibility, a bit more. So you progressively kind of build that trust. And I assume it would be the same. But yeah. Um, yeah, we probably need to end it off here. Um, and yeah, man, this is something I'm going to have to get used to. It's like, there's never a good point because there's no way to tie it up nicely and be like, all right, guys, there we've kind of covered this topic. Um, and I'm also talking about mental health at DevConf. So I'm also very scared in that regard because it's only 40 minutes. Um, and I'm just going to have to get a point where I'm like, okay, I'm just going to have to end it here. There's no nice ribbon to tie it all up because it is like a super open question and there's a lot of complexity. All right. Um, I don't know if there's anything anyone wants to say before we start heading into ending off territory. No, I don't think so. Okay. So a, a good, I think a good place would be like maybe sharing anything that was useful or that you found insightful or um, helpful um, recently, um, whether it be a book or, or whatever. Um, and I think from my side, one thing that I found surprisingly in, like insightful is, I don't know if you've seen that um, documentary on Netflix, the, I think it's Remember to Take Your Pills, the, the Xanax one. Um, and so the wife and I started watching it, wife's uh, in pharmacology. And I was really expecting like, I don't know, very sensationalized like take, but like I actually found it to be very nuanced and like insightful. And, you know, and they also talk about like, you know, like anxiety and so forth, 
like for a very long time, you know, like people were just self-medicating with alcohol. And, you know, like when we talk about like our, our grandparents and their grandparents, like alcohol abuse was just like the order of the day. And so it's not like, like anti-anxiety medication is just this made up thing all of a sudden where oh people can't deal with stress and they're getting like emotionally lazy or whatever now or there's a pull for everything um so i found that very insightful and like a like a really insightful and interesting discussion yeah i don't know if any of you guys kind of encountered anything the last couple of weeks that you found helpful or insightful um so I watched a video on TED um, by Francis Frey called How to Build and Rebuild Trust. And it's a great one. It's an absolutely wonderful one. And I think we, we touched on that topic quite a bit today. Um, when there's, when trust, when there's no trust, there's, there's nothing. Um, and there are very particular guidelines that she highlights in there. And she talks about how things at Uber went really off the rails. Um, and how they tried to rebuild this trust internally. Um, so that, that was a great conversation. Um, and I like what she said that if we can learn to trust one another more, we can have unprecedented human progress. And I do think that that's the case. I think in a lot of cases, trust gets broken down and then as such, it's each person for themselves and that doesn't end well. So I would say that is a great, great video. Um, a great talk to, to listen. Maybe not unprecedented progress, but maybe we can all just live okay lives. Let's, let's, maybe let's end it there. Yeah. <laughs> if we trust one another, we can strive towards living okay lives. This, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, cool. Yeah. Thanks so much, everyone. Um, this was really great. I wish we could go on for another hour. Um, sorry. Yeah. No, don't ever say sorry. My, my next meetings are lined up for All me. Right. No, I I love talking about this. I don't actually want to stop. Yeah. Um, but I'm gonna I'm gonna have to call 100%. it a day. Cool. But thanks for giving us some of your time, Liesl. Thanks so much, Liesl. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. I hope it helped. Okay. It did. Cool. All right. Cheers, everyone.